0: Thank you very much Catherine. i think this is one of these uh, topics that you know just opens probably a lot more questions than it just answered but it's an area we have to focus on because the industry is evolving so fast and from there we move to our second case study and it will be presented by dr lydia olander she's the director of the ecosystem services program at the nicholas institute for environmental policy solutions at duke university and she's also secretariat member of the bridge collaborative and she will focus on the clean energy challenge. Lydia, please. So um, I'm gonna be looking at an aspect of this challenge. So we, of course, are talking about um, low carbon and clean energy, but the piece that we looked at was how um, energy access and electrification in rural, rural areas um, can lead to a suite of different benefits on um, health and development side. And so we wanted to um, understand that a little bit better. So, um, there's this key assumption and understanding that energy access brings benefits with it, benefits like increased income and education, um, some increased food and water security, additional livelihood options, and um, potentially health benefits, particularly around cooking. But we often don't understand under what circumstance these benefits are occurring, um, how the magnitude of these benefits change under different circumstances, um, which benefits occur under which circumstances, and what drives these differences. So there's a general sense that rural electrification increases household incomes. But the evidence is very inconsistent. So um, here's an example from China. Um, There's a order of magnitude. The magnitude of the benefit is extremely variable. So this is an example of different provinces in China. And it's a 10 times to 20 times difference across these different regions, depending on um, how um, poverty is measured per unit money or per unit power. So extremely variable results there. And this inconsistency is showing up in the literature where people are really questioning whether this is really a solution, whether rural electrification will lead to the benefits that people expect. So um, we want to understand the circumstances better and explain the conflicting evidence. So our approach used, um, we wanted to unpack this relationship And um, we did this by digging into kind of the causal pathways that underlie it. And this is um, a a method that's in the Bridge Collaborative Practitioner's Guide, so trying to understand the causal pathways using logic models. And um, so we did a significant literature review on the different, trying to dig into these pathways and figure them out for... environment, health, and development outcomes. We looked at over 2,000 articles and about 500 of these were relevant. And so we mined these to better understand these relationships and what was happening under the surface. So, many people have observed that electricity tends to be self-reinforcing, so if you've never had it before, you don't really know how to use it and you don't um, take up electricity. But um, once it is in place and being used for productive purposes, demand tends to increase. You get increased incomes and increased notions of how to use electricity, so that self-reinforces. So, our approach, kind of to sketch out the mechanisms here and characterize the evidence and at these different steps and try to understand what's happening so this is one such pathway um, looking at crop yields um, enhanced um, by electrical pumps and irrigation and um, we found that each of these links is very widely studied in the literature Um, top 10 percent of all links um, Um, of all of the links in our review, but no study addressed all of these links together, and there seemed to be a lack of knowledge about how to kick off this loop and get it started. So, some questions about what the initiating factors were and what intervening factors um, affected whether this cycle took place or not. So just to dig a little further into some specific examples, um, so the literature often revealed that enhanced crop crop yields were, um, they they were frequently cited um, by mechanisms um, related to pumps, and uh, that increased income, then increased electricity use. But there were um, a lot of different factors that have come up as potentially leading to failures that were found in the literature. So these, these gray factors are examples of those potential intervening factors that caused issues. And I'm just gonna give a few different cases. So um, one success story was well pole versus electric pumps in um, Bochi State, Nigeria. So there were higher crop yields consistently and higher margins among electric pump users. In contrast, um, there's an example of rice in Mauritania. And there was a huge variability in the performance on um, the yields for rice, and they were well below the maximum expected, given the amount of water and electricity there. And there were a bunch of different explanations given for this. Um, low quality water was used. There was a failure to apply fertilizer at the relevant times, poor weed management. And some of these factors are tied to kind of unexpected consequences, like the irrigation water was of lower quality. But others were just things that weren't considered um, in the strategy, things like the need for training on, on fertilizer and weed management, for example example and then there's another example um, that's an unintended consequences they didn't expect this to happen but it ended up being a good thing in the long run um, in China there was a uh, some cases where um, conversion and energy access um, result in the conversion of forests to or- to orchards and this limited the supply of fuel wood and so there needed more um, they needed to use the electricity that was put in place even more so it created a positive feedback loop that um, increased efficiency in that case so Our overall observations are that um, electrification policy failures are frequently expa- explained as a function of these overlooked factors. So there's, um, these are not considered up front, they're just after the afterwards, people say, oh, this might be why it didn't work. These overlooked factors are rarely controlled for in analysis of the overall relationship between electrification and income. And as a result, planning, prioritization, other policy initiatives are rarely building on lessons learned in a systematic way because these issues aren't considered in a very systematic way. And so we're hoping that using this graphical modeling approach from the Ridge Collaborative can help us better understand those overlook factors and pull them together. So there's no shortage of these retrospective explanations of why things are, aren't working in different cases, um, but we're not. it's not clear why people aren't considering all these factors in advance strategically. So um, what we're trying to do is um, to systematically um, qualitatively at this point understand all of these factors and how they fit together so we can set the stage for quantitative and more um, prospective studies so we can hopefully help inform and do more predictive assessments of whether a policy and program will work in different places. So that's what the work has been done to date and will hopefully be helpful. So just quick acknowledgement: there were a lot of people involved, and um, of course, the whole Bridge Collaborative is supportive of this, but I particularly want to point to Ryan Calder, who is the postdoc who did most of this work that I'm presenting today. Thank you.